Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cars Unfiltered's podcast, episode thirteen. This is, I want to. I just want to say, Tom, as you continue, uh, this is our New Year's special. This is the first podcast of the new year. And this is, or and we're not. It's not the new year yet, but this is the last time we'll probably be podcasting in twenty eighteen. 2017. 17. Oh. If this is the last time in 2018, we're doing something wrong. Rut row. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, today we have myself, Tom, and we have Mike. Who interrupts Tom a lot, apparently. Yep. And we have Adam. <laughs> Who just sits quietly in the background, shaking his head. <laughs> That's not true, <laughs> Adam. You, you keep us on track. <laughs> Thus, the, the head shaking. <laughs> the whole podcast. Just picture him, head down, shamed. Shame, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so, so, so what are we talking about today? Yeah. So this is a pretty relaxed podcast. Um, the holidays, we're still kind of uh, holiday hungover, I think, with all the running around that we've been doing. Um, oh, spe- and, speaking of that, not to uh, well, it, intentionally no, to interrupt you again. Your, this is your mo. It's fine. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, so speaking of that, I finally realized why. Uh, news outlets in general do holiday specials. Okay. Um, especially when it comes in regards to the auto industry and it's because, so I work in the auto industry and it's because we all have like a week and a half off because of shutdown for Christmas and whatnot. And so there is very, very little news. And in order to fill the gap and still have something come out and be produced, they do what we're doing and they have a special. Oh, you know that, that makes a ton of sense actually. I had never thought about it before, but I was driving around yesterday and I was like, oh, that's why. Yeah, makes sense. Which, okay, so to that, um, when I hear the word holiday special, what I think of generally was the uh, Jeremy Clarkson and crew holiday specials, um, which I just wanted to point out that they didn't do a special yet. That's true. Like yeah, they but, had, but their whole, uh, all of Amazon uh, or all of uh, the Grand Tour is like one giant special. Okay. But every episode also, every episode includes some sort of, you know, storyline, something that they did. Well, they all did before too though. Yeah, true. Yeah, short side note, I am like two episodes behind of the grand tour, so no spoilers, but I need to catch up on that while I'm sitting in my sweatpants. Yeah, quit, ah, quit yeah. watching documentaries and start watching the grand tour. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it was a education. Ferrari documentary. It was still car stuff. Ooh, it was actually right. really awesome. Where did you see that? Is it on YouTube or on? Uh, it's uh, it was a torrent. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't do that here ever. No, no torrents uh, at all. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, where can uh, our kind uh, listeners uh, purchase a license to view this <laughs> fine documentary? That I don't know, but it was called uh, Ferrari: The Race to Infamy, or in, no, The Race to Immortality, and uh, it was really cool. It was tracking like the uh, the season the racing uh era like from the 50s to the 60s there uh um, oh cool it, it was it was really interesting i liked it a lot it's about an hour and a half long but it's a great watch that's not you know, that's a really good you know it's a really good documentary um on uh i believe it's still on netflix actually is that apex documentary oh yeah that was really good i really enjoyed that i don't know that i've watched it i think i've seen it but I don't think I've watched it. Also, it's worth a, a watch. Also, a faster horse. Um, yes. Uh, did you ever? Did you ever watch that, Mike? I think last time we brought it up, you hadn't seen it yet. 
I, I still haven't, honestly. And you know what the worst thing is? I'll sit down to watch something on, you know, whenever. When I when I finally get back inside from being outside working on the truck when it's freaking cold out. And uh, I forget about that stuff, right? I, I watch something else because my mind's not on, oh, hey, yeah, I should watch this. Dude, you so should watch it. Yeah, you send me a text. <laughs> like, send me a text at like 8 o'clock at night and say, hey, watch this. And I'll be like, oh, okay. I'll sign you up for one of those things that texts you like every day until you text stop to it. <laughs> to remind you. Hey, as long as long as it's not cat facts. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> there. You go. See, we should make like a little subscription service that like you enter somebody's phone number in and it just texts them until you know until they say stop. But it could be random stuff. I mean, I have a whole lot of random knowledge, so we could do that for sure. There you go, everybody. If you would like to receive daily texts from Mike of a random fact, will you uh, just message us and we will set something up? Mike's Carfax. Not even Carfax, <laughs> just Mike's facts. That's just, yeah. <laughs> the slight disclaimer can, that hey. Mike's facts may differ from that those you discover through reality. <laughs> we can call it Mike's tidbits or Mike's bits for short. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody wants any of my bits. <laughs> All right. So in that, on that note, uh, so the topics that we're supposed to be talking about today are including uh, New Year's resolutions, and that's brought to you by by myself. Uh, oh, okay. And Tom, what are you going to talk about? I'm going to talk about another uh, publication's top blog posts. And why that's that's essentially a sign of the end of the times. Okay. And Adam, your topic of choice? Uh, I'm going to talk about custom cars because that's what I do. All right. Sweet. Hey, it's good to have somebody with the custom cars. And we're not talking like 1940s or 50s customs with a chopped Mercury. We're talking about current new age custom cars because that's what Adam likes. Well, oh, nice, kind of nice. like, yeah, the newer stuff. I think that's cool. So Nice pun there, Mike. Current. Hey. Hey, I try. I try. Actually, yeah. I don't try. Most of the time, it just happens. Um, but yeah, so so in the in the realm of New Year's resolutions, um, my New Year's resolution personally is actually in line with Mike's bits. If we wanted to go that route and send people text, <laughs> text messages, in that Whoa. in that I want to uh, help dispel uh, the lack of knowledge about cars that is spread around. Uh, particularly I was listening to another media publications, uh, radio program and they brought up the topic of should you, or should you not let your vehicle warm up, uh, or let it run, I guess, in the driveway before you go about your merry way. And it was a very lackluster explanation as to whether you should or shouldn't. And I came away I mean, I know what to do, but I came away not knowing what I should actually do, whether I should leave my car to warm up in the driveway or whether I shouldn't. Um, so Tom, what do you do? Me? Yeah. Um, do you let your vehicle warm up? So it depends on how big a hurry I'm in. So also to be honest with you, I have always, I've grown up with, you know, if it's below like 20 degrees, that it's good to warm up, you know, warm up your vehicle. Um, but anymore, I tend to do it just because I hate the cold and I want the car warm inside before I leave. So, yeah. okay. Well, well, I could say like, oh yeah, Mike, I always go and warm my car up because it's good for the engine. The fact is I don't really give a crap and I just am cold and I want it warm inside. Well, I'm, 
That's fair. Adam, how about you? <laughs> what, what do you do? Um, so I usually, uh, when it's this cold, like here, it's been, you know, negative six when I go start my truck in the morning. Um, I, uh, I usually do start at first thing in the morning and let it run for five to 10 minutes before I leave. Um, part of that is Tom's, you know, theory is it's cold and (laughs) I want it to be at least somewhat (laughs) warm in there. Um, but I mean, also, I mean, it has been so cold here. Um, that when I go start that first thing in the morning after it's been sitting all night, you don't even want to hear the horrible agonizing noise my power steering pump makes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I've I'm familiar with that from a, my old Dodge for yeah. sure. Yeah, and so usually first thing in the morning I do that. Is the rest of the day I'm not really as concerned about it. The truck's not off for you know as as much time. You know, four hours while I'm at work before I go to lunch usually. So other than that, I'm usually running around. What about you? Okay. So those are, those are all fair points. Um, my answer is it depends and it depends because I have different vehicles and different things and different things are wrong with them. Like I have to, so my daily driver, right? My, uh, F one fifty, it's on its last legs. The engine's on the way out, right? It just, it just is. Um, and so I found out the other day when it was negative six out, when I went to go start my truck, that I had to let it warm up strictly because I couldn't shift it into reverse or drive or any other semblance of a moving gear uh, without first letting it warm up and get the transmission fluid uh, liquid again, I guess. so that actually has a safety feature then. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a safety feature that Ford installed unintentionally uh, to make sure that, that you would not wear out your uh, your trans fluid pump. There's <laughs> no problem. This feature. <laughs> but uh, also, similarly, I'm like Tom, and I like to have a fairly warm uh, environment with in which to operate. So I don't like to get into something that's very cold. Uh, but there are some reasons why you would or would not warm up your car. And so I used to daily drive a, a 65 Mustang, which had an old 289 in it. And uh, in the summertime, I would run conventional 30 weight oil, which is no problem because it was summertime and it was warm and the, the oil stayed warm. But in the wintertime, I would generally run 1030 or 530, uh, sometimes 520, but when I had the car, it wasn't that cold in the wintertime, so I didn't usually run that that lower grade oil. Uh, but I would usually run like 530 in it. And the reason behind that is the multi-grade oils act differently at different temperatures versus uh, straight weight oils, like conventional um, conventional styled oils. I don't let's not get into synthetic versus conventional, et cetera, et cetera. If I say conventional, it just means a straight weight. Um, and so these days, in general, you don't necessarily have to let your car warm up, especially with uh, fuel-injected cars, because the fuel injection compensates for uh, the difference in air temperature and a lean versus rich mixture, which you wouldn't get with an old carbureted car, which was part of the reason why you had to warm up your vehicle is because you'd pull the choke, or if you had an electric choke, it would automatically choke the vehicle. Um if you had uh, a, a, a liquid-operated 
choked vehicle, which is different than electric in that it uses, it goes into the intake manifold and it uses uh, the engine coolant to operate the choke versus an electric actuation, uh, but similar, similar operation. But point is, you didn't want to drive the vehicle with the choke still on in any semblance because you wouldn't be able, it, it didn't operate correctly. And so you wanted to wait till the vehicle was warmed up so you could have the choke off so that you could drive it the way that you usually did. And also because you had very, very cold oil in it. Uh, in fact, when I was an aircraft mechanic and we used to work on that stuff, you were actually taught that if you were in an extremely cold environment, you would drain the oil out of the airplane so that it's not sitting in the airplane itself. And you would put it on the stove to warm it up before you went back to put it in the airplane in the morning to start it. Did anybody ever accidentally put chili back in the, the plane? I, I don't, not to my knowledge. I don't think that's, so. No, that's some or like Alaskan <laughs> bush pilot level. It, yes. And that's, pr that's <laughs> primarily why they teach it to you, right? In case you wind up in Alaska, but also interesting, interesting note, Ford still makes a, an electric engine heater option for cars that are sold in cold weather environments. So my sister used to live in the UP and she bought a, uh, a 2000, how long ago was it? I want to say it's a 2015, uh, Ford fusion and she bought it in green Bay, right? So it's considered a cold weather climate. And so it, a fully optioned fusion, which is what she bought came equipped with an electric engine heater, which is a little pad that gets adhered. They use a special adhesive and it's adhered to the oil pan and they're usually just the oil pan. Sometimes they're on the cylinder block too, but these days it's usually just the oil pan. And the intent is that you can go out and plug your car in and let it sit overnight or in the morning or whatever. Uh, these days there's an automatic regulator in there so that it doesn't fry or anything. But uh, you go out and you plug it in, which warms up your oil so that when you go start the car, you have flu uh, uh, looser, I guess, less viscous oil that's ready to be pumped through the engine. So there's less wear and tear on your oil pump. Uh, all your parts get lubed up real fast and you can just go ahead and go. And in that case, you do not need to warm up the vehicle because the oil's warm. And that's, that's primarily the point here is that you don't want to add wear and tear to your oil pump. And you want to make sure that all the parts in your engine are receiving adequate lubrication. And that's, that's why you warm up a car, I guess. So there's, that's my answer. So the, my new year's resolution is, has started now in that now you know why you should or shouldn't warm up your car. Hey, Adam. Yeah. Do you feel a little bit like Jeremy Clarkson? Listening <laughs> to James <May? laughs> I've, I've, I've had to mute my mic because I'm like trying to stifle laughter when uh, every time Mike says lubrication, <laughs> I just, I'm five. Yeah, I can't yeah. help it. <laughs> All right, guys. And that was Mike's bits. Mike's segment called Mike's bits on lubrication. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, the Tom, how about you? Let's hear. Let's hear so what you so got I, going on. So, am I supposed to warm up my truck or? Yeah, what, what's just the TLDR on that? Oh man, you get so you, you still don't understand. <laughs> ah, I guess I guess I'm no better off than the other program. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'll put it to you this way, Tom. If I go to a dealership to change the oil, will they put the right oil in? Uh, they'll put on whatever the oil is on your cap. Is that the right oil? It's what the manufacturer specifies should go in. Man, just answer my question. Is it the right oil, Mike? For goodness sake. Yes. 
and and the, and the the right oil should perform well as long as it's not in severe uh, weather conditions. So these, if it's if it's below fifteen degrees outside, consider that a severe weather condition. You should go outside, and warm up your car for at least 15, 20 seconds before you get in it and go. Cool. So so here's here's the other thing. So fifteen degrees. Okay, fine. Yep. So lately here. Okay, and so my my cars all take five W twenty. Okay, because that's pretty much what Ford stamps on everything. Yeah, these days, yeah. Yep, and so we had like minus forty degree temperatures with wind chill, minus 10, 15, 20 degrees. Out in New York, they had minus eighty nine degrees this last week, last couple of days. Like what? Like what are you supposed to do then? Like if you don't have a engine block warmer. And it's minus fifty degrees out. Like, okay, so 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 there's the realistic answer, and then there's the optimal answer, right? But first, I want to say, windshield doesn't matter when it comes to machinery because windshield is what it feels to you when you walk outside. Right. So let's say it's minus twenty is the raw temperature. Okay. So if the raw temperature is minus twenty, the the ideal answer is you should have prepared for this, and you should be running zero W fifteen in your car. Okay, because, because that's that's a very light oil that is intended to be operated in uh, vehicles with one with very tight clearances, but also that are operating in very cold conditions. Okay, so if I didn't prepare, and I always go to the dealership, and I always put five W twenty, trying to speak to like the normal yeah, case here, right? Okay? And all of a sudden, I go and I'm like, there's a, a cold snap on a Monday morning, and it's minus twenty degrees. Do I should it? Should I feel okay telling my boss, hey, I'm sorry, I can't come into work because I don't have zero weight oil in my car? No, but what you should do is walk outside five minutes early, start your car, and let it warm up. Okay. Man, I'm really hoping for it out there. And and the only reason for that is because you don't want to put undue stress on the parts in your engine, right? And so Mm -hmm. you want to let stuff warm up at a lower engine speed because, as Tom likes to say, you only have so many revs. Um. Oh, revolutions! Yeah. Revolutions well, revo- of your, yeah. your, your engine only has so many revolutions before it dies and, for good. And you, if you, if you don't let your car warm up in extreme cold like that, you're gonna you're gonna decrease the amount of revolutions that your engine has in its life because you're running those revolutions without proper lubrication. Yeah, I wonder if that applies to other things. Anyway. Uh, that said, that assumes that you like your car, right? If you don't like your car, it doesn't matter. Just get in it and drive. All right, cool. So it will work so properly, but it's so that's a segue. Not last as long, right? So that's a segue into. So I'm gonna. I'll just say. I'll just name names here. Autoblog. Okay, we all know, and most of us love Autoblog. Some of um, us don't really care. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but they posted a th- in at the end of the year, they tend to post like what their most popular blog posts were for that previous year. So this year they posted their 10 most read car reviews of 2017. So, you know, car reviews, right. As people are excited about the car and, you know, so they searched for it and wanted to find out blah, blah, blah. Tom right? is the kind of person that reads car reviews. Actually. Yeah. Okay, yes. Yep. That's true. So I thought I'd run through this list. Uh, just real quick, because a couple of them were kind of surprising to me, considering all of the interesting stuff that Autoblog has reviewed this last year, and then that manufacturers have released this la- last year, right? So, 
number 10 is a 2018 Rolls-Royce Phantom, which, to be honest, like, that's pretty cool. Like, not many people are going to be able to get to ride in one of those, so, of course, the review is kind of interesting. Also, the I just, number nine... I just want to say, that's a very ugly car. I do not like the roof line. Really? I do not like the roof line on a Phantom. I love it. I do not um, like it. Anyways, go ahead. So, yeah, next car, just run through them real quick, is a 2018 Lexus LC500, which I think is a class-altering car. That and the Mercedes-AMG GT, um, I think those two cars are changing things like honestly we should talk, we could have a whole podcast just about that in my opinion because i think they're coming after the normal american muscle car genre sure um, but well, okay let's just say that these first two though are cars that most people were interested in reading the review about because they're not really going to get to test drive them themselves right yep so to flip that um the number eighth most read review on autoblog was the 2017 mazda cx5 um which is an SUV. It's looks okay. It's it's likely something that you can go to to the showroom and drive, but you really don't feel like going out, so you're gonna read the review. Sure, highly accessible, yeah. not that interesting. Yeah, right. Uh, number seven is a 2017 Jeep Compass. Which I, I think that falls into the same category. It's exactly the same, and also you realize too, like as we go up, these are things people read more, right? Um, yeah. So anyway, and then number eight, six, this is, this is where I think, like, I don't understand, but okay. Number six is a 2017 Land Rover Discovery. Okay. And also not that interesting. Also a very strange rear end, which I never noticed until I watched the Grand Tour last night. Um, but yeah, I can't, I, I was actually like interested. I was like, it's kind of a good buy for money. I thought, um, and then no, I can't. I can't get. I can't That's, get on board. Which is exactly why the review is helpful. Spoilers. What? Wait. Well, wait, and that's also, a spoiler. Me, oh, yeah. geez, as a spoiler. Also, the offset license plate drives me crazy. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> once it has been seen, it cannot be unseen. Uh, it's bad. Yeah. Yep. Um, the number five re- most viewed review was the 2018 Volkswagen. I'm not going to, Arteon, Arteon, I'm not sure, which I believe is just basically a replacement for the Volkswagen CC or close to that, or a four-door version of the CC, I don't know, whatever, not interesting. Okay, here's where it really goes south, guys, all right, and I'm just, just hold on to your horses here. Um, The number four, the fourth most read review that they had was the 2018 Nissan Leaf, and this is where I start to worry about our kids. Um, we don't have any kids. I'm just saying the kids of the future. Oh, okay. Which, yeah, is true. But, um, I, I'm not even going to spend more time on that. Number three, there's a glimmer of hope because they uh, reviewed the 2017 Bugatti Chiron, which obviously pinnacle of automotive, um, autom- pretty much everything really. Engineering. Yep, engineering, styling. Yeah, I do not agree on tire, styling, but okay. But let's cost, let's go with engineering. Tire cost. Let's let's go with engineering. Different. Sure. Yeah, yep. right. Also, um, also falls in the same category as number nine and ten, which is unaccessible, so people have to read about it. Yep. So then, this is actually very surprising to me. Number two. Um, number two is the 2018 Lincoln Navigator, which is cool. And interest. This is bodes well for Lincoln, though. I agree. Honestly, uh, that it had this much traffic. Yeah. So I, although I don't know why it would be in the top 
10. Well, I, I did read a little thing about this. It was particularly uh, geared towards the expedition. Um, but there was a, uh, article in the free press yesterday or the day before about families that are opting for, uh, larger SUVs like this as a replacement because they want more room. Okay. And people don't like okay. minivans anymore. And there's only a couple of people that make minivans anymore. And so yeah. a, lo a lot of people are opting for something the size of say the expedition, but then they want something with a, a bit more luxury. So they look at something like the, the navigator. Right. And especially too, because all of the children these days are requiring captain's chairs and armrests um, when they travel. So also, that's important. Also, apparently women want a console that can hold their giant purse because they don't like putting it on the seat next to them or on the floor behind them. So like that's my wife, my wife drives with her purse in her lap, what? which I, that is dangerous. Yeah. Um, Why? I, I can't get into that, Mike. <laughs> does, Danger. does she Danger listen to the podcast, Tom? <laughs> she might. She might. We'll find out. We, okay. We'll now find out. Find out. Yeah. All right. Well, then we won't. We anyway. won't touch on that. But I feel like that's yeah. somewhat dangerous, and I do not recommend it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that was number two. Um, and here is where everything falls apart. I feel like in the world. I mean, auto blog. Like you know, auto enthusiasts visit this website, right? Primarily, like that's got to be their target, prime target market. Um, you know, you think about if you want reviews for something, you might go to consumer reports or consumer reviews or something, right? Um, but yeah, so the number one most viewed review on Autoblog for 2017 was the 2018 Honda Accord. Oof. Yes. Oof. I would have expected maybe like the Honda Civic Type R, maybe. But, yeah. not, but not the Accord. That's, that's no. rough. At least it's not the Toyota Corolla. True, I guess. Are they different? I thought it was the same car, I, just a different badging. I, no? I don't know. I don't, maybe. I, oh, I really right. don't know. I don't know anybody that drives an Accord, so. Which, actually, I probably, you know, actually, I probably do. Yeah, I guess I guess you wouldn't know if you did. But they're unremarkable enough that I don't remember them. Right. And I'm, like, looking through the pictures of this one, right? And, like, it looks okay. Yeah, it looks like a Honda Accord. It does. This one has a manual, which is kind of impressive. It's fancy wheels, but oh, it might be the only. Is it like the only sedan that's offered in a manual now? Oh, maybe that might be I why mean, it's got some views. That could be it. I'm gonna go with that. Why not? That yeah, could right. be totally false, but so yeah, anyway, uh, I really hope that you know there's cooler things on this list next year because yeah, like the Ford GT didn't even make it on this list, which I find bizarre. Um, Although, did they, did they review a GT? I think they did a first drive. Mm, maybe. Maybe not. I'll have to go find out. But yeah, like, there's a bunch of stuff, though. Like, the AMG GT, the, like, the, the Huracan, like, there's a bunch of, the, a Ferrari, like, I mean, even though it's not new this year, like, the 488 or something like that, I would think would be on this. I don't know. Like. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, Sorry. Uh, not to be like a Debbie. I was downer, just looking but... through the photos of that uh, 18 Accord there, and there's uh, there's yeah. Well, what photo is it? Photo 32 is a uh, shot of the passenger seat, and good lord, the uh -huh. trim is so loose. There's like wrinkles everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I got to look at this now. And I think the seat material is made out of uh, plastic bags from the grocery store. I just. Oof. What? Oof, that's, that's, that's pretty that looks low. So bad. 
Yeah, that is pretty bad. That looks like a recovering for some of the classic cars that I've seen. Ooh, look at the rear seats. But look around where the uh, where the belt buckle is. Oh, yep, yep. Ooh, yep. that's rough. Ugh. That's rough. How yeah, do you need to get on your fit and finish? That's all I'm going to say. Headrest. They used to be pretty good at it. Oh, actually, if you look at the that gear stick shot, like it's like okay, and then I start looking around, and like like that's got to be all plastic. Like that might not even be like touch. What do you call that stuff, Mike? The soft touch. Oh yeah, so, uh, soft touch plastic. Yeah. Yeah, but like, look at how that's like. There's that is so bland. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It looks <laughs> desolate. Sorry. Anyway. Um, all right, let's move on from there. Yeah. How about custom cars? Yeah, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> spice this up. Here's a, a here's something that's kind of cool. So, you know, you guys, listeners, if you've been listening, have probably gathered. I, I am kind of a fan of custom cars. Um, I've been waiting to see what kind of happens with the electric car scene. And uh, Novatech, uh, they do a lot of tuning for exotics, right, Tom? You're well familiar with them. Um, but they, uh, yeah, they've yep. released aero packages for the tesla model s and the model x now um basically it's you know some small carbon fiber ground effects um but uh the big one is the carbon fiber ground effects and then there's uh exclusive slant spoke wheels by Vossen wheels Vossen, awesome which i have to say those are kind of sexy they're gold too which is really cool um It does give you brake options, so you can upgrade the calibers and uh, uh, rear disc to carbon ceramic, which is pretty cool. Um, and you can get about 40 millimeters lowering on the car, too. And I have to say, like, the photo of the, the white Tesla Model S with the gold wheels and the carbon fiber ground effects and the lowering and stuff, it <laughs> looks sick. It's uh, it's really cool. Um so, I mean, what do you guys think? Do you, get, do you guys think we're going to see a lot more, uh, like, custom products coming to the electric car scene as they become more mainstream, or what? Yeah, for sure. But I, I think we're going to see a lot more along uh, along the lines of uh, visuals, I guess, versus uh, appearance packages, versus mm-hmm. performance packages so much. I don't know, man, because – so. There's, so with electric cars, there actually is a lot that you can do. I, th- I think a couple things. So like with electric drive cars, you'll be able to modify the essentially the computer programming potentially to um, how that like throws power down and how it detects like loss of traction and stuff, right? So I think there could like I think that computer modeling for performance upgrades will be start to become a thing at some point in the near Ooh. future. Um, and then also Saline did a GTX uh, of the Model S a couple years ago, I think, or a year ago. And they actually go through and change the gearing of the uh, of the Model S. And I don't remember what the original gearing is, but they change it to a 11, an 11.39 to 1 final gear ratio. Um, so it basically gives it quicker acceleration, if you can believe that. Um but yeah, I think I think that there could be several things that are, uh, you know, can be modifiable for electric, and possibly as we go on, it could be even more stuff than what you find for. Uh, I wonder if you're going to start seeing vehicles. like, like um, software packs. Um, so you guys know, you guys know how uh, you know when yeah. you're grading video or uh, editing photos or something, you can have like LUTs 
where you have like a, a preset filter or something that you can apply. I wonder if you're going to start seeing um, individual yeah. programmers like selling their performance preset that you could buy and flash to your to your electric car. Yeah, so that already, I, I could see well, that for sure. Well, that already happens now, right? So like these um, for some of the turbo cars, like the higher end turbo cars, you have people who are known in communities as tuners, right? And you know, you go and like some tuners are better than others. Um, and yeah, you basically like buy their, buy their tune. And what that can turn into is basically a PayPal transaction yeah. and a Facebook message. Right. Um, and like some of these guys, it's good enough. It's like, okay, for example, I chipped my truck. Right. So, and that probably took me from, you know, 320 horsepower, let's say, to you know 330 or 335 or something right that's a um, that's a big gain there tom 15 horsepower that's uh that's impressive right yeah and you know a tuner <laughs> costs like what's a tuner cost 300 bucks or something like that so um so for that perspective my dad's truck so my truck's a 5.4 my dad's truck's a 3.5 twin turbo right and his truck if you chip it it goes from 365 all the way up to like 450 before even adding exhaust or anything, if you add an exhaust, you start getting pretty close to uh, 500 horsepower. Yeah, well, at some of the so uh, I'm going to get technical again here. One of the interesting things with uh, programmable uh, vehicles like that that are run off computers and whatnot is you can change things like the timing and the valve overlap. Uh, where the spark comes in, you know, you can change the advance and all sorts of things, not to mention the fuel curve. Uh, it just, the list just goes on that you can control via software, right? So you never even have to change the hardware, the actual mechanicals of the vehicle to make something like that happen. And with electric vehicles, it's easier still because it's all software driven outside of like the gearing and the final drive ratios, right. but otherwise it's all software driven. Yeah. And that's why I think you're going to start seeing a lot of those, like, I think you're going to start seeing those packs coming, you know, over the next 10 years or so. Um, I, I would be interested to see how some of those things work with some of the technologies like regenerative braking and things like that. Um, because I noticed that I was looking at, uh, at that customized, uh, yeah, at the, the Novatech uh, customization there and they changed the, the brake system uh, to include six piston calipers and some things like that, right? And it made me wonder how some of those kinds of modifications are going to work with some of the the other uh, technologies yeah. that are being put into some of these electric cars. So the Sa the Saline one, they do that too, right? So they put different shocks, different um, brakes, and everything like on the car, but they also have a basically their own their their chipping of it, right? Their calibration software calibration for the vehicle. Um, because I would imagine, yeah, you'd have to address all kinds of things, even through stability management and, uh, yeah, traction control. Yeah, so, um, yeah, how does, you know, how does that carbon ceramic rear discs, you know, how do those now affect the overall, you know, performance of the vehicle from a software standpoint? Um, you know, I, I think probably out of the three of us, I'm probably the biggest gamer, but... Um, you know, Forza has done this for a long time. They have a, you know, the Forza series has a marketplace where you, people buy and sell tunes, right? Where somebody's gone through and tuned all of this from the suspension yeah, yeah. bound and rebound to, you know, 
weight distribution or uh or you know breaking distribution and uh so you can buy specific tunes for things like you know drifting or stuff like that i bet you're gonna start seeing that um where you know there's okay i can buy a tune where i want to go drift my um tesla you know my model s this weekend or you know but then um, during the week i want to load the tune up for the absolute you know milking the most range out of it as possible you know what i mean I think that'll be really cool to see that stuff come come yep. down the pipeline. For sure, I think I I do think that as time progresses and features go into these cars, you'll have more flexibility, um, through essentially through yeah. the computer. So I'm excited to like see how the uh, how the electric car uh, world um, how people start customizing that. So. Yeah, that's what I had today. <laughs> cool. Well, that's that's uh, interesting. There, I have nice Alcan five thousand updates. Actually, Tom has an Alcan five thousand update. I do. <laughs> wait, which one? You've got parts. You you have my oh, wait, you have my what? parts in Owasso. I do. So now your your so now your truck is spread across even more physical distance. Yeah, yeah, it's increased its spread now. Yeah. Um, so essentially what I have is, which I'm going to do either probably tomorrow, uh, is the whole, actually it's kind of funny. I walked around carrying the entire front end of the, uh, 35 with one hand. Oh, Hey, so you got your workout in day. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and basically what we're doing is trying to split. I don't, I don't even know what you call it. The wishbone from the axle. Yeah. I guess. Yep. So, um, essentially there's some bolts that have to be pressed out. And uh, I have a press available to me, and Mike does not have one easily available to him. So I grab that, and uh, I'll be punching those little suckers out. And meanwhile, I have removed all the tires from the wheels, which was no small process because they two of them were rusted in place pretty heavily. But <laughs> Mike is very good at spooning now. I they have always been very good at spooning, but uh, oh. in relation to tires, <laughs> yes, I'm better than again. I used to be. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> so, more on Mike's bits. Uh, but yeah, so so basically, the Alcan 5000 project is moving along fairly nicely. Um, I took apart the clutch unit in the Columbia 2-speed. I showed Tom that and what it was. Which people love the pictures of that on Instagram, by the way, on the story. I did some stories on Instagram. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Good to know. Um, and so we got that apart. I have ordered a rebuild kit for the Columbia from the Columbia two-speed guys. Um, yeah. And I have also, yeah, I'm, and I'm ready to send out parts for also to the Columbia two-speed guys to get the, uh, the rear end bulletproofed is what they call it. Uh, so that it won't break on us on the way to Alaska, which is Woo. very important. Yeah. So yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's kind of it right now. I've I bought all the parts that I need to finish welding up uh, the support structure on the frame, and parts are pretty much ready to go out to be sandblasted and powder coated, and then come back and be installed. So that's. Uh, I don't know. Some. I'm. I figure sometime middle of January we should be nice. able to start reassembling some things. Awesome. Which is yeah, so, which, which is good because that means that we can start driving some things and then you know actually go places. Yeah, we need to do that because everybody that I've talked to so far, actually even a 
yeah, mechanics, right? Have uh, they're very interested in in this whole project? Oh, are they? So, oh, yes. Why yes. Why are they interested, Tom? Tell us. Well, I tell them, you know, we're going to be driving a 1935 Ford pickup with a flathead V8 and a Columbia two-speed rear end about 12,000 miles. And then they go, oh, you know, that's kind of the, oh, okay, yeah. Yep, that's the response I get, generally speaking. So I I took a buddy of mine out to the garage yesterday. He stopped by. um, And we had been talking about, you know, the truck and that I was going to Alaska and this, that, and the other. And I says, yeah, the truck's out in the garage. And so we went outside to go get more beer. And uh, I was like, hey, come on, let's go take a look at the truck, right? And so we walked in the garage. And he, he was kind of looking around. And uh, he was like, oh, this is a nice little project. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the truck I'm taking to Alaska. And he <laughs> looked at me just with this with this incredulous look on his face. And he said, that's, that's not a truck. And I said, yeah, well, that's the frame to the truck. But, yeah, that's what I'm taking to Alaska. <laughs> So yeah, I know how your mechanic friends feel, Tom. Yeah, so we we have a lot. We have a, there's uh, the proof is in the pudding. So we better get making pudding. <laughs> hey, pudding is not a, a fast process. You have to heat the water and then let it cool. And currently, we're heating the water. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And on that delicious <laughs> note. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. So we'll be posting videos and stuff of that soon. I'm a little bit behind the eight ball there. A bunch of the footage I shot this last week is actually like, I, I may end up just editing it in and releasing it anyway, but it turned out kind of grainy. So, um, nice. so yeah, that stuff is all coming. Well, and so thank you everybody for listening to our long winded New Year's Eve special or New Year's special, I guess. Uh, and happy New Year to everyone. And we will talk to you more in 2018. Absolutely. 